We now begin the second parak of Maseches Shkalim, parak base, Mishnah Aleph, and more on the logistics of the giving of the Machsa Shekel. The Mishnah starts out by saying, Mitzarfin Shkalim Ledarkonos Bemei Masui Haderech. One is permitted to aggregate the Shkalim onto these golden coins called Darkonos because of the, to alleviate the weight of transport along the way. So the case here is you have people who have to give their machzah shekel wherever they are in Klai Yisrael. And if they're living in, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, that's a long way to go. So if someone's going to have to transport a big sack of silver coins, that's a lot of weight to transfer. Of course, in the time of the Mishnah, they're transferring by hand or at most by donkey. So it's a labor. And that being the case, we are permitting the exchange of these half silver coins, one per Jewish male, um, onto golden coins to make the whole load weigh less. And the Chiddush is, even though when those golden coins arrive at the base of Mikdash, they'll need to be exchanged back into silver coins. That's essential because, as we'll see later on in the Masechta, all these silver coins, it's one machsa shekel, or one you know shekel of the time of the Mishnah, um, per Jew, and they sit in these big chests, and they'll be like, you know, some sample of them will be taken out. It's sort of like everyone has a lottery ticket if their coin will be included in those which are drawn to purchase animals, even though everyone gets credit collectively, um, but it'll be nice if it's your very coin that's used. Um, so therefore, of course, we have to have exactly one coin per customer, no more, no less. So these golden coins have to be converted back into silver coins that, of course, could incur some kind of service charge. The basic English will have to pay for that. Um, nevertheless, the point of our mission here is we're permitting this to be done. Technically speaking, these Darkonos are a type of Persian coin. Um, they are the, they're gold, and they are the value of two slaim, which is, in other words, two shekel kodesh, which are the same as four um, machsa shekels, let's call them, you know, the four shekels in time of the Mishnah. So it's a, it's a small golden coin. There's nothing really magical about that coin. Um, there's a reference to that coin in the book of Ezra, but... It could be any kind of golden coin, that's fine. Um, typically, gold trades at a value of 25 units of silver per one unit of gold. Remember, we're talking about this is not fiat currency, this is real, the real commodity. And therefore, typically, the value of gold is 25 times that of silver. And we're just essentially trading on the silver coins, the golden coins, for ease of transport. Now, there's nothing magic about Darkonos in terms of which kind of golden coin, but the Gomorrah does consider the possibility of, let's say, transferring the silver coins onto some other thing, like, say, diamonds or something, that the Gemara rejects. The reason why is because the value of a diamond, let's say, or whatever it is, um, can vary over time, and then the fluctuation could be significant, and the base English could lose a significant amount. However, when it comes to golden coins, the, the volatility is really not there, and the exchange rate is, is fairly stable, and therefore they permitted um, the silver onto gold coins. Now, the next part of the mission says, Keshem Shahayu Shofaros Mikdash. Just as there were these 13 chests in which various communal funds were kept, and funds for the base of Mikdash, there were also community chests, like called tzedakah boxes, if you will, um, outside in the Medina. So first of all, the word shofaros means, literally means like shofar, like the ram's horn. That's because the shape of these like tzedakah boxes, if you will, um, were wide on the bottom, narrow on top, kind of like a horn, and some say even like bent over, like a ram's horn. The idea being that if you have, to make it easy to put money in, but hard to get the money out again, 
inhibiting thieves from stealing money out of the these boxes. Now, according to the Bartanura, the Medina, as we've said many times in many Masechtas, refers to Yerushalayim, the city. And the idea is that although the Shofaros were kept in the Beis Mikdash, and there were 13 of them, but two of the 13 were designated for Shkalim. We'll see more about that later on. Um, but in addition, there were other boxes, Shofaros, that were kept outside of the Beis English precinct, and that was to facilitate the giving of of shekel for those who are tummy. If you're tummy, you can't go to the base of Mikdash, but you need to give your shekel, and therefore you can give it outside in Yerushalayim where tummy people can go. According to the Rambam, consistently throughout the whole of Shas, Medina refers not to Jerusalem, but to these cities outside of Jerusalem, like throughout throughout Israel, which means, you know, in Rav Chemish and Tel Aviv, they're going to set up their, their uh, shofaros, perhaps even two, as we say here at Lush and Rabbim, two shofaros, one for old, one for new. We'll see that also, um, to collect the contributions which will later be transported um, to Jerusalem. Okay, now the next part of the Mishnah, we're going to get into some technicalities and weeds that about, about Shavuos, but the main point of the Mishnah is to address the following question. And you wouldn't get this just by reading it straight, it's not even reading it yet. But the, the question one addresses when are the coins that people send to the base of considered to be received by the base of Mikdash. And that's important because once they've been received by the base of English and they become base of English property, so then the person has fulfilled his obligation of giving the machs the shekel. If it hasn't yet been received legally by the base of Mikdash, so then um, and something happens, he'll have to give it a second time. Okay, that's the point that the mission wants to address. And the answer to that question is if a person sent his coins away and the base of English has taken its first sampling of coins from the, the chest that's kept, kept over there in the base of Mikdash. Um, there'll be three separate junctures in the calendar. We'll learn about this later on also, where they did take like a sampling of these coins, kind of like this like lottery. So when they take the sampling for the first time, if you had given your coin back in Cleveland, Ohio, prior to the sampling being taken, so you're like conceptually part of the contributions and just like not every coin can make into the, be included in the sample that's selected, your coins won't either because they're on the way in the Brinks truck headed to the base of Mikdash. But in the meantime, in the meantime, you've given it um, to the base of Mikdash, so you're guilty. You've fulfilled your obligation once they've taken that first sampling. Prior to that, your money is just on its way, hasn't been received by the base of Mikdash, and therefore something untoward would happen. You'd be responsible to replace and re-contribute another machs shekel. That's the, the point of our mission. Now, the guise in which the mission is going to address this question is the delivery guy who's transporting these shekels, as we talked about moments ago in the beginning of the Mishnah, to the base of Mikdash, um, if he loses the coins, so the question is, um, even in a scenario where he's not obligated to you know, make up the difference and pay out of pocket for the coins, he'll have to um, take an oath, a, a shvua, to the, to the aggrieved party, let's call them. So um, when he's taking that, that oath, we have to identify who the aggrieved party is. If the aggrieved party is the... It, it'll depend on whether the donor of that mach shekel has to give another half shekel coin or not. If he does, so then, of course, he's losing. He has to give a second time, so he's the aggrieved party. If he doesn't, so then the loser is the base of Mikdash, and therefore the base of Mikdash, so to speak, the aggrieved party, and that the, the, when the delivery guy takes his oath, or series of oaths, he will... Um, 
whoever the plaintiff is, will also determine whether or not the person who gave the money initially has to give a second time. Okay, so just a review of the halachas of of um, shvuos oaths for shomrim for guardians. So the Torah has four categories of guardians, two of which are totally irrelevant to our Mishnah: are people who are renters or people who are um, borrowers. Not relevant. Okay, but there are two other categories of of guardians who are um, paid guardians, shomer sachar, and unpaid guardians, shomer chinam, and they're held to different um, levels of uh, of um, liability depending on what happened. So. If a person is an unpaid guardian, a shomer chinam, he's sort of doing a favor to the person who asked, you know, that he should watch his bike or his coin, whatever it is, and therefore the standard is quite low. And as long as he wasn't negligent, um, he'll be off the hook. So that means if I give my coin to an unpaid guardian who's doing me a favor and transporting the coins to the base of Mikdash, if the coin along the way gets lost or stolen and he wasn't he wasn't negligent, so then he will be off the hook, the guardian will be off the hook from having to, you know, make me whole. And if my coin hasn't been considered received by the basement, the shed, I'll have to give a new one. Um, so the Shomer Chinam, unpaid guardian, is patur, he's exempt from repaying on Geneva and Aveda on theft and loss. Assuming he wasn't Poshea, and assuming he wasn't Sholeach Yad, um, he didn't appropriate it for himself. Shalech Yad means he didn't make use of it. So if I ask you to watch my bicycle for me as a Shomachinam, if it gets stolen or lost, you're off the hook. But if you take the bike um, to go to a meeting in the city, now you've been Shalech Yad, you've you've misappropriated, you've appropriated my bike for yourself illegally, and now you, you're not off the hook anymore. If it gets stolen, certainly you're liable um, forevermore because you didn't do me a favor. In fact, you got benefit and against my wishes. That's a Shomer Chinam, and the, it's, the way our Mishnah reads, it sounds like we're talking about a Shomer Chinam, although some learn that we're talking about both Shomer Chinam and Shomer Sachar equally. The Shomer Sachar, the paid guardian, will be exempt, oh, sorry, will be um, liable for loss if it's Ganev and Aveda, if something was um, stolen or lost. What do you think I'm paying you for to be a guardian? So it shouldn't get stolen or lost. So if it does, you'll be liable. Um, you'll only get off the hook if it's circumstances beyond your control, onus, um, which would include things like, say, an armed robbery. You know, robbers come, put a gun to your head, and say, give me the bicycle. Now, you don't expect to give your life for the bike, and therefore you're off the hook. Um, that would be called, that's different than theft, Geneva, which is like when you were sleeping or not paying attention. Aveda, loss you're liable for, but if it was circumstances beyond your control, you know, you were on the boat coming from Cleveland, Ohio, to Yushalayim, and there in the Atlantic, a storm comes up and the boat sinks, and with it goes the machs shekel, so that was circumstances beyond your control. And again, you'll be potter. Okay, so now, if the Shomer wants to be exempt from having to make restitution, um, he'll have to take a series of oaths. Um, he'll have to swear that he was negligent. He'll have to swear that, you know, the money was, let's say, lost. Um, in addition, he'll have to swear that he wasn't Shaleach Boyad. He didn't misappropriate it and make use of it. And finally, he had to swear he doesn't have it anymore, meaning it was lost. He has to swear it wasn't subsequently found and he got it back again. So he takes those three oaths, um, and and um, then he's off the hook of paying. That's for a shomer, um, any shomer who's entitled to swear. Now, the truth is, technically speaking, when it comes to um, sanctified property, like gifts that are going to the base of Megdash, and machsa shekels included, 
Um, so we don't normally take oaths, and the basic there certainly is not a party to make people take oaths typically. However, in the case of the Machsa Shekel, we want to sort of make sure that the whole infrastructure, you know, the supply chain that delivers these Machsa um, Shekels take the responsibilities for guardianship seriously. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of responsibility. It's important that every Jew should be included, etc. And therefore, the rabbi said, Midurabanan, even the base of Mikdash will be able to force one to take a shvua. And it's like a mitzvah Midurabanan, a requirement Midurabanan, that anyone who loses the money as an agent transferring it must take these shvuas, these oaths. And that being the case, um, although normally I could say, I trust you, if I say, I give you my bike and you say it was stolen, and I don't have to make you swear if I don't want to. Um, in this case, the guardian is required to take this oath at all events, okay? Because the Rabbani want to make sure people take it seriously. So that's the whole backstory here. Now the Mishnah says inside, in much fewer words, it says, B'nei if you have residents of some city, Shishalchu es shiklehen, they sent their coins to the Yerushalayim, and on the way, V'nignivu osha'avdu, those coins get stolen or lost, and they were in the hands of a Shomer Chinam, or perhaps... We're going to include also Shomer Sachar. We're talking about they were stolen with, by force or lost due to circumstances beyond the transporter's control. So then, so now who is the aggrieved person? Does the person have to give a second time or not? That depends. In Nitrama Hatruma, if in the base of Miklash they've taken that first sample of coins, so then that included everybody who gave, including this guy back in Cleveland who's sent his coins with the agent, and therefore he does not need to give a second time. And that being the case, it's considered as if he gave his his coins were in like the possession, let's call it the ownership, the domain of the of the base of Mikdash. And that being the case, Nishba'in Ligizbarim, the agent who lost the coins will have to take his oaths to the agreed party being the base of Mikdash. The Gizbar means the trustee of the base of Mikdash, as opposed to the person who contributed. On the flip side, the Imlav, if the base Mikdash hadn't yet taken its sample of coins from the chest there in the base Mikdash, um, since the person who's giving his master shekel contributed it to the agent, so now the guy who gave the half shekel will have to give it again. It's not considered that his gift made it to the base Mikdash, and therefore he's the grieved party. And that being the case, Nishban Levnei'ir, the deliver guy will have to take an oath to the aggrieved party, or parties, here it's plural, to the residents of the city for whom he was transferring those coins, because now they're lost. And as for them, they'll have to give a second time. That'll make a replacement to Machsa Shekel, because you have to make a Machsa Shekel, and their contribution never made it to the base of Mikdash. Nimtu, um, it'll come out then, I'm sorry, Nimtu, if subsequently the coins are found, O Shechzirum Haganavim, or the thieves return the coins. So now we have the tricky situation of having two separate half shekels, both of which have been dedicated to be machsa shekels for the base of Mikdash to purchase communal offerings. The problem is the verse explicitly says no one's allowed to give more than one half a shekel. Even rich people can't add to it, etc. Uh, both of them have been consecrated. So um, the mission says, Elu ve'elu shkalim. Both of them will have the shekel status. One will go into a box in the base of English marked Taklin Charetin, which means new shekels. The shin turns to a tough very frequently in Aramaic. So Taklin is like Shkalin. Mem turns to nun. Shkalim, Shkalin. So Taklin. Chadatin is like Chadashim, the new year's Shkalim. That will be one box. And there's another box, shofar chest, called um, Taklin Atikin, 
like Ir Atika, the old city or whatever. Atikut is antiquities in modern Hebrew. So Atik is old. So the old the old um, shekel box. And so one coin will go into each of those two boxes. Um, this happens. And then everyone will have net net, just one coin contributed to the new year's, current year's shekel chest, the, the shofar, um, for withdrawals. Um, we'll see later on in the Mishnah what happens with unused coins and coins that were delivered late, talking Atikin and so on. So we'll get back to that later on in the Masechta. But whatever happens, the point is here, he has two coins, only one goes into the chest for this year's um, drawing. The ain olin lahem l'shana haba. And even though the guy gave two this year, sorry, there's no credit for next year, no NOL, no um, carry forward. You just unfortunately gave twice. Your money will go to some good service. Your second coin will go to some good service in the base of Mikdash. Um, we'll see more about that later on in the Masechta. Um, but uh, bottom line is next year, even though you give two this year, you have to give all over again because that's what the, the mandate of the Pasuk is. So that'll be the din. Um, as far as which of the two go- coins, the new one or the, like the first or the second one which you gave, whether which one goes to this year's drawing, which one is in like the box from you know, non-current um, shekels, the Atikin. So that is actually a machlokus. Um, in the Meforshim, it's not clear. So it's not clear which one goes where. So I'm not sure, but definitely one goes to the old and one goes to the new.